here. And uh, hope you've come expecting a blessing uh, from the Lord. And so thankful for uh, God's goodness and thankful for uh, the change that God makes uh, in our situations and our lives, aren't you? Uh, I hope you are this morning. And uh, if you have your Bibles this morning, I invite you to turn to 1 Corinthians 15, uh, verses 1 through 11 is what we're going to look at this morning. Um, and at, we're look, asking the question, what about you? Have you seen it? Chapter 15 of uh, 1 Corinthians uh, is a, a very important chapter because Paul addresses the issue of the cross and how important it is. And I tell you, there's nothing more important for us as God's children than the cross. Because it's by that cross and it's by Jesus shedding his blood on that cross of Calvary to pay my sin debt and to pay your sin debt. And the sin debt of not only us, but here's the good news, the sin debt of all the world. The whole world. Every one. And that's good news. That God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever uh, would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And I'm thankful for the truth of the gospel and that truth of the gospel changes your life when you really truly experience it. Jesus will accept you just as you are. But here's the thing, and this is what Paul found out, and this is what I found out. I hope it's what you found out, that Jesus will accept you just as you are, but he will not leave you like he found you. He will change you and make you in uh, to what he created you to be. And so let's take a look, beginning in verse 1 of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Paul writes this, Moreover, brethren... I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received and in which you stand, by which you are saved if you hold fast to that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I deliver to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures, and that he was seen by Cephas, and then by the twelve. And after that he was seen by over five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain to the present, but some have fallen asleep. After that he was seen by James, and then by all the apostles. Then last of all he was seen by me also, as one born out of due time. For I am the least of the apostles." who am not worthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was in me. Therefore, whether it was I or they, so we preach, and so you believe. Paul begins kind of before he really talks about the resurrection and the cross and how it should impact us, just lays out the truth of the gospel. And here's the thing is that no matter how long you've been saved, if you are saved, 
you should never get over the gospel and never get over the power of the cross. Because the moment you get over it, you're very close to losing it. And friend, I don't know about you, but we must never lose it. We must never get over what God has done for us. Paul never got over the fact that though he was unworthy, God chose him. Not only that God chose him, but God forgave him. And not just that he forgave him, but that he chose him and uses him for his glory. And just as God chose Paul, I want to suggest to us this morning that God wants to use us too. And that God wants to change us and that God will uh, work in our lives and work through us if we'll allow him. Paul mentioned the, the gospel and uh, how it displays that it's not hard to understand the gospel. The gospel is simple. You're a sinner. And the price for sin is death, is blood. But not just any blood, sinless blood. And guess what? You ain't got it. And I don't have it. No one has it. But there was one who did. Because all of us owed a debt we couldn't pay. God loved us so much that he came as a man. He was 100% man and 100% God. And he came and he shed his innocent, sinless blood for my sin debt and your sin debt and the sin debt of all the whosoevers. And then not just that he died to pay for that sin. And that's pretty important. But he didn't stay dead. He rose again. And next week we're going to see that is the power of the Christian life. And that's why we have hope and that's why we're promised victory is because of Jesus' resurrection and the promise of our resurrection as well if we're in Christ. But Paul says, listen, he recounts that simplicity of the gospel and he says, you know what, Jesus didn't stay dead. In fact, he appeared to a bunch of folks. Lots of people saw him. But here's the thing, it's not about seeing him that makes the difference. It's about knowing him that makes the difference. Knowing him as Lord and Savior that makes the difference. So just a few things that I want to talk about this morning from these 11 verses. And the first is this, the gospel calls us to Christ. We need to understand what Paul wants us to understand. He spent a lot of time uh, writing to this church at Corinth, a church that he loved, to a people that he loved, and a people that were stubborn, and people that forgot what the preacher said, you know, and, and sometimes even, and I'm the preacher, but sometimes I forget what I said, you know, dare to say, wait a minute, I have to think. I say, what did I preach about Sunday? So, oh, yeah, here, here it is. Paul wants us to understand and to remember it's not about us. 
So he spends a lot of time correcting some errors, and he's been talking about unity in Christ and how we are to use our spiritual gifts and how we're part of the same family, that we're part of one another. He says the only reason we're part of one another and the only reason we have life, the only reason you have forgiveness, it's not because of you. It's not because of how good you are. It's not because of how much money you have. It's not about how much money you've given to the church. It's not if you've been baptized or not. It's not about how many good deeds that you've done. But it's about Jesus. And you see, we're on a very dangerous track when we make the gospel about anything but Jesus. And what he did on the cross, he paid it all. He paid it in full. He didn't just make a down payment, folks. He paid it all. But here's the thing. And what Paul wants us to understand, and what Paul wanted the church at Corinth to understand is that the gospel calls us not to ourselves and not to our own devices and not to our whims and fancies, but to Christ. Because it was Christ and Christ alone that bought our salvation. You didn't do squat diddly to earn it. And the truth of the matter, you couldn't do anything to earn it. Paul tells us in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 that salvation is a gift. He said, it is by grace you are saved, by faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. And he says in that verse that, hey, even that faith, that's not yours, it's a gift of God. God gives and enables you to come to him. So Paul wants the church, wants all of us to understand that it's the gospel And it's Christ that makes us who we are and enables us to do what God wants us to do. Because left to our own devices, we make a mess of things. And we can't do anything but that. But Christ came to clean up our messes and to make us new. And to make it so that we could have abundant life. Make it that we could have joy. How do we have that joy? We have it in Christ. I know some folks that think that, you know, it's the gospel plus being baptized. Or it's the gospel plus joining a good free will Baptist church. Or it's the gospel plus giving tithes. But friend, what Paul is reminding us is it's just Jesus. It's just Jesus. We say, well, that's just too easy. It can't be that simple. But it is. And the simplicity of it is the very reason why so many have rejected it. Because there's something with inside of it that we've got to earn it. We've got to deserve it. And here's the reality that, you know, I know I've had people tell me this, you probably have had people, and maybe you've even said this, 
that, you know, preach, I know I need to be saved, I need a relationship with Jesus, and I need to be serving him, but I've just got too much stuff to clean up first. And once I get all that straightened out, then I'll come to church. Well, here's the thing, and I tell folks this, I said, if you're waiting for you to clean yourself up before you come to church, you ain't never come to church. And you're never going to find Jesus. You see, we come just as we are. Jesus knew the rascals we are. He knew how much we fail him. And how we would reject him. And yet he came and he loved us and he died for us. That whosoever would call upon the name of the Lord would be saved. Whosoever. But here's the thing is that when we walk with Jesus for a little bit, we forget about what Jesus did sometimes and we say, you know what? Hey, I'm doing a pretty good job. I mean, look at this good life that I'm living. And look at how blessed I am. And we forget the only reason we're blessed is because God blessed us. They're not of our own making. And so Paul says, you remember, church, Jesus, and what he did for you. And you remember that you didn't deserve it and you didn't earn it. But Jesus freely gave it. But then secondly, Paul reminds us of something else. He says, yes, the gospel calls us to Christ, and it's by Christ that our, our life is changed. He says, the gospel calls us to change. And I've already mentioned that. That Jesus takes us just exactly as we are, but he doesn't leave us like he found us. Paul understood that firsthand. Perhaps better than anybody else. In our Sunday school class, uh, we're studying through the book of Acts, and although we weren't here last week, I imagine last week uh, they looked at chapter 8 where Stephen was stoned. And guess who was there? And she even says was consenting unto Stephen's death. This man named Saul the same Paul that wrote 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And this morning in chapter 9 is where we found ourselves this morning in chapter 9. And I encourage you if, you, if you weren't here, go back maybe this afternoon and read Acts chapter 9. The, this man Saul had decided that he was going to not just stop at the stoning of Stephen, but that emboldened him. He said, I'm going to go round up some more Christians and bring them back so we can get rid of them too. And Saul thought he was doing God's will. He really did. He sincerely believed that. And yet God got a hold of Saul's heart. And God had been working on Saul. I think even as he was consenting to Stephen's death, the Holy Spirit was working on Saul, saying, listen, young man, you better, this is not right. And I think the Holy Spirit was working on Saul and, and turning in his heart, and he kept refusing and he kept lashing out, trying to squash what God was trying to get him to, to realize. But he, go, he says, listen, God showed up 
on this road to Damascus, as I was on my way to Syria, to this town called Damascus, to round up some of these people, Jesus people and bring them back to Jerusalem so that we could try them and stone them. And as we were traveling, God blinded Saul. And God, Jesus himself, spoke to Paul. And Paul said, Lord, who are you? He said, it's me, Jesus. He said, it's hard to fight against me, isn't it? And Paul was led to the city, and he stayed there three days. Uh, one of God's, so those Jesus people, the people of the way, that's how the book of Acts records it, named Ananias. God says to Ananias, hey, I've got a job for you. Uh, this man named Saul, is, I've blinded him. He's at this house. I want you to go and lay hands on him, and he's going to receive his sight. And you know what Ananias says? He said, Lord, I know about this rascal. Word gotten out about him. There's not Facebook, and there's not newspapers, and 24-hour news, but I know about that joker, and Lord, no, <laughs> you, you got the wrong guy. You can't save him. And God says to Ananias, I have chosen him as a chosen vessel, and he's going to be my witness to the Gentiles and to kings. And guess what Ananias did? He didn't argue anymore. He went to that house where Saul was, and he laid hands, and this is what he said, Brother Saul. Then say, you scoundrel, you dirty little dog that's unworthy of the gospel. He said, Brother Saul, receive your sight. Because sometime during those three days that Paul was blind and he didn't eat and didn't drink anything, he had gotten his heart right with the Lord. God had saved him. He had surrendered to the the and the working of the Holy Spirit that was convicting him and directing him. He finally had surrendered. and said, Lord, you know what? I've been doing it my way. I'm not going to do it my way anymore. I'm going to do it your way. And Ananias had to do the same thing. And in fact, as you read the rest of the book of Acts, God calls the church over and over and over again to not do things their way. And not to do things the way they've always done it, not to be holding to tradition and not uh, you know, to think that they are makers of their own way, but rather the Spirit directs them. And the Spirit empowers them. And so Paul knew what it was to be a changed man. And I tell you this, when you realize and you're saved, you're changed. If you profess to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and there's not that internal witness of the Holy Spirit and there's not a changed life, not a perfect life, but a changed life, 
You've not made a sincere salvation decision. Paul says, hey, listen, I know how unworthy I was, but I also know that I was on that road and Jesus himself spoke to me. And Jesus called me and and he, in many of his letters, points out that it was God and his relationship with Jesus Christ that drove him to do some of the things that he did. He was imprisoned multiple times for his faith, beaten for his faith, rejected and called names because of his faith. But he says that he said, you know what, I'm the least of the apostles. But then here's verse 10. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. You see, it was being blinded that God gave Paul sight. And sometimes it takes us being God knocking us down in order to get our attention, for us to turn to him. So he says, listen, it's by God's grace that I am what I am. So by that, Paul is saying, listen, I used to persecute the church. But God had other plans. And I tell you that that's true for your life too. You may not have been a persecutor of the church and a murderer. But at some point in your life, you were doing what you wanted to do, and you were going your own way and doing what you wanted to do, rather than what God wanted you to do. And guess what? That never, ever works out good. We think it does, but it doesn't. God has better plans for you. God has a better idea of what your life should be and a better idea of what you can accomplish in His name and for His glory than what you do. And so Paul says, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And that grace is not in vain. There are some believers that and fortunately, all of us probably have had times at least once in our life where we knew Jesus and God had saved us, but we left that profession. And we left what God had told us to do and said, you know what, I'm going to do what I want to do for a while. And can I tell you that when you do that, it's like slapping God in the face. It's taking making vain the grace that God has extended to you. God did not send His Son Jesus Christ to die on the cross of Calvary, and Jesus Christ did not endure the agony of the cross so you could be the same as you are. Or that you could be what you wanted to be. He did that so that you could be what God created you to be. And so that you could do what God desired and wanted and created for you to do. 
And so Paul says, that grace is not going to be in vain. I am going to do and I'm going to live for Jesus. And I tell you that salvation is not a one-time decision. Although coming to salvation is a one-time decision. I think you're saved once. And at that moment, you're as saved as you're ever going to be. But every day, you need to continue to make that decision. Say, you know what? Yeah, I've, I'm saved. Jesus forgave me. Maybe you've even been baptized. And baptism is a, it doesn't save you, but it's a testimony to the world that something inside has changed. And so Paul says, listen, you remember that decision. And not just remember it one day, but you always remember it. You know what? There's times that God may ask you to do things you really don't want to do. I remember I said, Lord, I'm graduating Bible college. I don't want to go to a small town. I don't want to go anywhere where it's hot. And so you know where he sent me? He sent me to Butler, Georgia. Chances are fairly good none of you have been to Butler, Georgia. Because it's one of those places, if you end up there, that's where you were aiming to go. Kind of like Richmond, Mississippi, where Leslie's from. And I tell you that Georgia is just as hot as Mississippi is. So sometimes when we tell God what we're going to do and what we're not going to do, he said, oh, you want to bet? Well, we're going to see about that. You know what? I haven't left the South. I haven't been to a cold climate pastor yet. Uh, Mississippi and Georgia, both hot. Thankfully, Pearl's a little bit bigger of a town than Butler, Georgia was. But you know what? Through it all, God has taught me so much. And I've grown in my walk with the Lord, and God's been able to accomplish things through me. And I'm thankful for that. Now, did I have different visions of what my life would have turned out to be? Yes. But I'm thankful that by God's grace, I am what I am. And the reason I am what I am is because I not only have seen Jesus, but I know him. And so the last point of the message this morning is this, that the gospel not only calls us to Christ, and not only calls us to ch change, but lastly, the gospel calls us to choose. You see, the Apostle Paul had a choice to make, and the people at the church of Corinth had a choice to make, and you have a choice to make. Are you going to let God be God and let Him shine in your life and do what He wants to do? Or are you going to do things your way? Now I tell you, even as a believer, God will let you do things your way. And we all know plenty of people and we all know plenty of churches and probably we have and our church has at various times We've not really thought about or prayed about what God... We've, we've done what we wanted to do. Has that ever worked out good? I guarantee you it hasn't. And it never will. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. You can't do any worthwhile good thing without me. 
And so the gospel, Paul reminds the church at Corinth, and he reminds First Free Will Baptist Church of Pearl, Mississippi, you have to choose. You have to choose whether you're going to live for God or whether you're going to live for yourself. You have to choose whether the grace of God that's worked in your life is in vain or whether it's not. And your preacher can't choose it for you. I'd, I'd make the right choice, I think, for each of you, but I can't choose for you. Sometimes I wish I would, could. Make my job a whole lot easier. It'd be a whole lot less headache and stress for pastors everywhere if we could just decide for folks. But guess what? We can't. Every one of us has to decide for ourselves. Every minute of every day, Lord, I want to do what you want me to do. But here's the thing. When we do that, God works in our life. God took a ragtag mess up like Paul that committed murder and used him to become one of the greatest church planners the world would ever know. Paul didn't do that. In fact, he says, all the things that I've accomplished in life, I counted as dumb. Except for knowing Christ. He said, all the things that I've accomplished really don't matter. But friend, can I tell you the things that God accomplished through Paul make an eternal difference and still make a difference today and will make a difference through eternity. Just like the way that God uses you when you choose to obey him has eternal impact. So don't think for a minute that your decision to do things your way won't really matter. It will affect, it will matter. It will matter to you. And it will matter to everyone around you. And it will matter to your church. And it will matter to the kingdom of God. And so remember this that the gospel calls us. And it calls us to Christ. It calls us to change. And it calls us to make a constant, everyday choice. I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to serve Jesus today. Let's pray again. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your goodness and your love to us. Lord, we thank you that by your grace I am what I am and we are what we are. And Lord, we may not take that for granted. Lord, I pray if there's one here today that's never surrendered their life to you or one watching on Facebook or YouTube, would you help them today to begin new life in you by calling out to receiving that great gift of salvation? And Lord, for those that have made that decision, would you help us to continue to choose to not let that grace be in vain? God, continue to change us and work in us, realizing that you're not really done working in us until we are in heaven with you. Lord, mold us and make us and help us to be your hands and feet to a lost and dying world. Help us, we pray. Let's stand together. We're going to sing just a verse.